the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. After I discussed it yesterday on the show multiple times and today on Steve Bannon's War Room, National Defense University is not picking up their phone. You've been calling them so frequently to complain, to say that not on your taxpayer dime will they have Thomas Piketty, the man who is former Socialist Party of France, the man who wrote capital in the 21st century, an avowed communist will not be speaking on your dime at the oldest military base in the United States tomorrow. Hopefully that event will be cancelled because you have put pressure on to make sure it doesn't. I'll give out the phone number again just so you can keep, keep making those calls. But let's talk about The background to all of this, how did we get here that an avowed Marxist is giving lectures on Fort McNair at National Defense University? A superb target of opportunity has wandered into the swamp and we have netted him. He is the author of Cynical Theories, as far as I'm concerned, the most significant academic work on how we got to bigotry like critical race theory being taught in our schools. He has a brand new book just published. I love his byline on uh, Twitter. Not a New York Times bestselling author. He goes by Conceptual James, J- James Professor James Lindsay. Welcome back to America First. Hey, Seb. Great well, to be here. So what brings, brings you to the swamp? Well, I'm doing an event at the Heritage Foundation tonight. I'm speaking with Mike Gonzalez about his book about BLM. I've got my book, Race Marxism. We're going to hit it out of the park tonight. All right, Race Marxism. He just literally, as I sat down in his chair, uh, James said, I've got a brand new book out just published, Race Marxism. Where can they find it, James? At the Amazon.com. Oh, no, really, Amazon.com. I know, I know. All right, check out his website as well. It's called newdiscourses.com. Support him. I've just retweeted his uh, tweet about how you can support this amazing website, New Discourses. Okay, can I just dive straight in with something that's been bothering me? Mike's a good friend. He's been on the show regularly. Uh, My wife works with Mike at the Heritage Foundation. You know me. My background is national security. To defeat an enemy... You've got to understand them, and you've got to have an accurate taxonomy. You've got to be able to label the thing, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a strategist, you've got to have the right labels. What is it that we are dealing with? Some say it's cultural Marxism. Some say it's the new left. What have you found is the best label for the ideological amoeba that we are facing? You know, I've... I've I've concluded that the best label is woke Marxism. Okay. Because people resonate. They know that woke is something. They know that woke is something to do with race and sex and gender and all of these identity factors. Uh, But they also know that there's something distinctly socialist, distinctly Marxist, this idea of equity uh, being very obviously socialist. There's something to it that's very Marxist. And in fact, uh, this new book, Race Marxism, details how critical race theory is the racial component of 
woke Marxism. If you want to call it identity Marxism, I consider that to be a, a path along the way. And I can tell you how we got here if you want. It, it, it shifted. Marxism shifted in the 60s. Yeah. yeah. That's for me, and I, I'm just – this is a free discussion. For me, the issue I had with woke is it's kind of lighthearted. It, it has a kind of, hey, this is fun, or it, it's less than serious, or it's a bit facetious. And for me – Something that is truly rotting our civilization. I don't want to have a fun label. Is that unfair? No, that's totally fair. And identity Marxism works for that. Okay. Identity Marxism is is the brainchild of the uh, the the Marx most prominent Marxist of the 1960s, Herbert Marcuse. And Herbert Marcuse had this idea. He said the working class stabilized itself or got stabilized one way or another, and it betrayed its revolutionary spirit. So what are we going to do? He says, well, let's look to the ghetto population. That's his work. Right. So you've got to go for the race. You've got to go for the disenfranchised of the ghettos, which is – and I want to talk about this later – just the the delicious irony that we have Trudeau declaring emergency fascistic, you know, martial law in Canada against who, James? It's not against working class, <laughs> you know, middle class bourgeoisie. It's against truck drivers. Truckers. The left yeah. is, is saying the working class are now the enemy because I guess they're not socially aware enough. That's what it is. This is what I'm telling you. The the. There was an off-ramp in Marxist theory at the end of the 1960s, and all of our intellectuals missed it. And what it did was it aban- It didn't just even abandon it. It turned on the working class. It saw the working class, in Marcuse's words, it said that they stabilized, that they became a counter-revolutionary and conservative force. So being Marxist, being petulant, being uh, you know vengeful, they became angry at the working class, and they shifted shifted gears into these identity politics, whether it's like race in the ghetto population, the sexual minorities, the feminists. These are the things that, that Marcuse called to. And you ended up taking an off-ramp for Marxism into identity politics and into, in fact, corporatism and every other thing. It no longer has any fealty to the working class. It hates the working class. And you see that with the truckers. You have the actual – well, you saw it with MAGA too. MAGA was class consciousness. MAGA was the working class yeah. awakening to the fact that the elites are screwing them. Yeah. And, and to use their terminology, the false consciousness of the working class became carved in stone. They couldn't do anything about it, right? Yeah. So that's why they had to find a different population. Uh, we're talking to James Lindsay, conceptual James on Twitter, the author of Cynical Theories, an incredible. I mean, this is the analytic Bible for those who want to understand how Glenn Youngkin, a milquetoast candidate, won in Virginia against one of the most powerful Democrats when he saw what parents were doing to keep uh, their children free of bigotry. The new book is um, Race, Race Marxism. Marxism, just published, Race Marxism. Uh, I, I, one of the most fascinating things of your book, and I, let's try and tease this out for a couple of minutes, is queer theory. Yeah. How there's this incredibly radical, aggressive tiny little pocket of academe that t- attacks traditional concepts of truth through gender. And for me, you can talk about what queer theory is to explain to our millions of listeners. For me, at the end of this exercise was simply one objective, the negation of objective truth. Am I reading too much into it? No, you've pretty much got it. There's one other objective, though. There are two objectives. So queer theory, it's put simply, the word queer means that which is against the normal, that which is outside of and against, positioned against the normal. So it's a war on the normal. Yeah. That's what queer theory is. This is an old idea. 
And so you are correct. It is a war against what obviously objective reality is normal. So it's a war on objective reality. But the second thing that it is, is it's a tool that they can use to separate one generation from the previous. And this is what Marxists always want to do. This goes back to uh, the, the first cultural Marxist by the, by the name of George Lukács, who ran the Hungarian, Hungarian. Revolution. Right. That's right. And what did he do? He became the deputy commissar for education. And what did he implement? Comprehensive sex education, exactly the stuff we see with the gender theory, the queer theory, these uh, very perverted pornographic books in the school libraries and in school curriculum teaching children to to become sexually active and and sexually aware. Uh, Why? Because what are they going to do? They're going to become, frankly, little perverts and they're going to go home and their parents are going to say no. And they're going to use that rebelliousness of the teenage years of the youth and say, you don't understand me. And the parents will say, look at the Bible, and they'll say, the Bible doesn't understand me. And they'll say, well, but our culture, and you say, our culture doesn't understand me. And you can separate a new generation away from its parents, away from its family, away from its religion, and away from its previous culture. And it's not just normalizing perversion, normalizing the abnormal. Reading your book, I found one of the objectives was just to generate constant confusion in the next generation. Yeah, that's there's, right. There's, there's no polar star. That's right. The goal is, in fact, there's a woman named Hannah Dyer. I think she's a woman. You never know with, it, with queer theory. So the, Hannah Dyer is the name, award-winning scholar in queer theory, wrote a paper about queer theory in early childhood education and early childhood development recently in 2019 or so. And she, in that paper, says the point of queer theory is to prevent a stable LGBTQ identity. Wow. It is to prevent stable identity. Guys. Why? What did Marcuse same thing in the 60s. The working class stabilized. Anything that stabilizes is the enemy, so they have to destabilize the children. Um, why are you doing this? I mean, you're a math geek. You're a professor <laughs> of mathematics. Why are you mapping this insidious, evil, 90-year plot to destroy Western civilization? What, quote-unquote, triggered you, James? What triggered me? So there was a paper that I saw that came out in 2016 about studying glaciers. From a feminist perspective, and it said the entire science of glaciology <laughs> is sexist unless they take up feminist and indigenous glaciology. This, this wasn't a parody thing. This was real. No, it was on $800,000 of National Science Foundation money at the University of Oregon. And so this wow. is real. And so that triggered me, if you will. Uh, sciences are close to my heart. And so, you know, next thing you know, I figure it's time to hoax. My colleagues and I decided it's time to hoax these journals. We wrote some fake academic So, like, there's, like, three or four of you who you know, took some passages of Hitler, changed yeah. the nouns, and got it published in peer-reviewed journals, right? Yeah, feminist social work, as a matter of fact. Wow. Yeah. So we got a bunch of papers uh, accepted by peer-reviewed journals. And so— Who were your colleagues? Let's give so, them some glory now. Sure. Peter Boghossian is the primary colleague. Helen Pluckrose, who wrote Cynical Theories with me. And then we have a filmmaker who helped as well named Mike Nana, who was following us around. So they were our colleagues, or my colleagues. And we perpetrated this on academia, but in the process, this is what really triggered me. I saw with one of the papers, it was about education, and we said that we should abuse these students to overcome their privilege. So in, in your hoax article, that's what you yeah, said. Yeah, that's what we argued. And, and we thought, well, we better say that we'll do it compassionately, which sounded funny. Abuse compassionately. Yeah, of course. And they wrote back, the, the peer reviewers wrote back and said, we love this idea, but don't be compassionate. That recenters the needs of the privilege. That was their exact word. Recenters the needs of the privilege? Yeah. And then they said that we should use what's called the pedagogy of discomfort to make people uncomfortable, which is what AOC said, by the way, when cities were burning in 2020. That protest is supposed to be uncomfortable. Change is supposed to be uncomfortable. So, 
This reminds me of a good friend whose daughter had just started college here. I think it was at JMU. And the first day of indoctrination in the, you know, the, the mandatory lectures, they made everybody stand up and then sit down if you're, you know, white, privileged, blah, blah, blah. And the last question was, if you're a virgin. Wow. Just to shame 18-year-old students. Yeah. I mean, it's Maoist, James. That is Maoist. It, this is exactly Maoist. And anyway, when I saw that, I went to my wife and I said, can I quit my job and expose this full time? It's the unraveling of Western civilization. And she said, can you make money? And I said, I don't know. And she said, you got 18 months. Let's see what you can do. And we took off. The plane took off. We're doing it. Well, you're you're a courageous man. Uh, Your wife must be an amazing woman. Um, Let's go to the genesis. How did we let this happen? And I don't mean conservatives because you don't have to be a conservative to have issues with virgins being shamed at the age of 18 in front of their fellow students. It's just wrong. There's this phrase from um, a book, you know, the lurch for the snooze button. The left took this new tack, as you said, in the 60s. Class isn't going to cut it. We've got to go with race, with gender, with sex. Why, why did sane people just kind of not see it? How did we miss this, James? In the in the wake of the civil rights movements and liberal second wave feminism, which is not the same as Marxist second wave feminism, uh, there was a lot of guilt. I think if you read Shelby Steele's book White Guilt, he says in the wake of the civil rights movement, what we have is we have a bunch of people facing up to the fact of a long national sin, all this segregation, all that, all the slavery before that. And in that vacuum of moral authority, as he phrases it, we, were, we, we allowed this stuff to creep in. And in particular, we allowed it to take over in the universities. The place it first took over and took over most significantly because the Marxists know their business was the colleges of education. Yeah. And here we can lay some blame on the conservatives because they kind of just ceded education to the left. 50 years ago. They said, yeah, well, we'll let the reformers take it over. We'll let the John Dewey people take it over. Did we know, did, did people back then, because I truly concur that, that, that that's, to use the military term, the center of gravity of this diabolical movement is the teacher training colleges. That, 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 that's where this stuff is regurgitated, spewed out to force multipliers that go into the high schools, go into the colleges and, and indoctrinate our children. Did, do you know, are, are we aware that back then, did conservatives or did rational academics say, yeah, I'm guilty, I'm just going to let them do it? Or did we just not even see it? You know, there's this really iconic scene, if you've read Shelby Steele's White Guild, near the beginning. He was a black radical in the 60s, and he talks about how he marches into the college president's office, and he's got a burning cigarette, and he lets the ashes just fall. He didn't mean to. He let the ashes just fall into the carpet, and you can see that the president's about to stand up and say something, and then he just caves. And that was the that was the moment for Shelby Steele where he realized this the huge power, power that the he power. had. And so the the universities lurched left very hard in the sixties and seventies, trying to make up for this, trying to be the vanguard of of identity politics. Out of guilt. Out of guilt. So you're you're going to speak tonight with our good buddy Mike Gonzalez at Heritage. I had the brand new president, uh, uh, Doctor Roberts, on the show a week into his tenure, and he's a president of a former college. He's a what did he say? Sixth generation educator, PhD in history. And I asked him on record live, I kind of ambushed him a bit. And I said, OK, it's exciting what's happening at the school boards across America and the high schools. But what about higher education? Can we save the colleges? 
And without hesitation, James, he said, no, it's got to be burned to the ground. You know, it, we, we, we cannot save them. They are, they are just completely gone. What do you think? Can no, we save them? No, no. They, they, they will come along crawling because they have huge endowments. They won't yes. exactly be burned to the ground. They will come along crawling behind as the world moves forward, uh, hoping that they can regain some of their imprimatur. Uh, on the back end, they are absolutely corrupt at this point, just totally corrupt. Yeah. So, guys, if you're listening, if you went to a good school, anywhere you went, if they are teaching this garbage now, like critical race theory, like gender studies, just don't fund it. One of the first things, I mean, if Donald Trump comes back, God willing, we have to turn these entities into for-profit, for-profit corporations that pay taxes. The idea that they, you know, Stanford and Harvard sit on $40 billion worth of endowment and they don't pay taxes is why they get away with this stuff. We have to change their classification. But in the meantime, don't give them any money. Give Hillsdale Give Grove City, support those places that believe that Western civilization is good, is the greatest civilization the world has ever seen, and we've got a chance. And then again, COVID taught us that homeschooling is an option. And now, I apologize in advance, I want James to react to this TikTok video, which is not an unusual one. The phrase biological woman is completely meaningless because being a woman is a social state, not a biological one. Womanhood is socially constructed and as such it's not based on biology, it's based on societal recognition. It would be like saying I'm biologically an American citizen. It doesn't make any sense because American citizenship isn't based on biology, it's based on societal recognition. If the original commenter meant to say trans women aren't cis women, then yes, I agree. But the problem is, I don't know anyone who disagrees with that. So on my feed every day, I get videos like this of kids on TikTok, the Chinese social media app, saying that, uh, no, chromosomes don't exist. Do you think this is going to be our saving grace? I, I, I tend to believe that this is why the mama bears are standing up at the school board meetings. The pornographic pedophilic books, the racism of critical race theory, and then this sheer insanity of the radical transgender agenda. Do you think, James, as an academic, as a person who's written the key works, we could be saved, civilization could be saved by truckers and mama bears? That's exactly who's going to save us. 100%. (laughs) God bless the working class. That's right. And the moms. And the moms. And the moms. We love our moms. So how you get the moms, you? you get the dads. Too. How excited are you right now about what we've witnessed in just the last mm, six months? I'm very excited. You know, for me, I've been screaming about this for years, yeah. right? It's like screaming into a hurricane. Right. I feel like that guy on those videos, another video where the, he's got the American flag standing <laughs> in the street challenging the hurricane. I feel like that guy screaming into this, this, this storm. And now all of a sudden the wind has changed. The wind's at my back now. And people are awake. And, and in particular, parents are awake. And the working class is awake. The people who make society work, that's the working class. People who get things done. This stuff's all nonsense. And they know it. And they're not going to participate any longer. And then the moms, you'll die for your kids. Yeah. And when you realize this radical agenda, especially with the sex, gender, sexuality stuff and the, and the pedophilia, you, when you realize that your children are genuinely in danger of groomers that, are, are, that the Marxists have, have brought in. It's grooming. It is grooming. It's institutionalized, institutionally approved grooming. That's exactly what it is. And when parents realize that their children are at risk, right. it turns out, I talked to a political scientist at one point about a year and a half ago, and he told me there are just a handful of ways cultural revolutions get stopped. One is that you have a character like Putin come in and start killing journalists and take authoritarian power and stamp it out. The other is that the parents wake up. Yeah. 
All right, so we've got a minute left. We're with the author of the brand new published today, Race Marxism. He's running from here in three minutes to the Heritage Foundation. He's speaking there tonight. He's the author of Critical Theory, Cynical Theories, a seminal work on why we are where we are today. Last 60 seconds with James Lindsay. Follow him right now on Twitter. It is Conceptual James and NewDiscourses.com is the website. Everybody has a role to play, don't they, James? Everyone. Everyone. You don't have to be a PhD or a mathematician or a radio host. Everyone who loves our civilization has a role to play, do they not? I 100% agree. The most moving thing I ran into was in Wisconsin this past year. I was talking at an event, and I spoke with one of these guys that's in the, in the organization, and he stopped me. He said, I don't know what you're talking about, Prof. And he said, Doc, I have no idea what you're saying. This stuff's all over my head. He's like, oh, I thought you, sorry, I thought you were with it. And he said, no, I run errands. These guys are bringing in speakers, they're putting on events. They need somebody to take people back and forth to the airport. They need somebody to show up and get the food and bring it to the event. Everybody has a role to play, a support role, a friend role, whatever it happens to be, to be that ear for somebody to listen. Everybody has a role to play, and it can, you don't have to go study all of this, but if you can, you should. To quote my Salem colleague, there are three types of people. Well, four if we include the evil. There are the evil, the enemy, the diabolical. There are those who do nothing. There are those who fight, like James. And there's a fourth category, those who help those who fight. You don't have to be on the top of the barricades. You don't have to be writing the books. But simply supporting that mother at that school board meeting, standing with her shoulder to shoulder, is how we win. Follow him. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.